Hello, vinyl lovers. I'm Antonio Staropoli. And I'm Chris Myers. And you're listening to Taste of Vinyl. It's time to get wild. You mean mild. Well, I guess that was mild. Should I do it again? Nah, nah you're good, uh, man. Welcome. Welcome, <laughs> listeners. Thank you all for tuning in again to another episode. We have a very cool guest today. He comes to us from Seattle, Washington, and is the bassist for the up-and-coming grunge rock band, Wild Powers. Please welcome Jordan Gomes. Thanks for being with us, man. How you doing? Hey, good. How y'all doing? Good, good, man. Thanks for being on, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, first question we've got for you, Jordan. All right. Analog or digital? It's kind of a cop out, but I'm definitely like a middle of the road kind of person on that. Like, oh, like a little bit of, come a little on. Bit of <laughs> yeah. I guess I would lean uh, analog in most ways, but you can't argue with the convenience of like a lot of digital situations, obviously. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. No, totally, man. Uh, that's, I want to say that's like the majority of our guests say, you know, it's definitely a combination between the two, which yeah, we get. We get it. Yeah. With most things, I think. Yeah. Like, I mean, Listen to a lot of records, obviously. I mean, like sure. with like music gear and stuff, I tend to swing towards stuff that's a little more analog based. Or mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I don't know. That's I fair. think it probably in most things. Cool, but yeah, you're right, man. Digital is uh, super convenient. I mean, especially for some things like you know, like, I like smoking weed, and a lot of times having like a pen, especially on the road mm-hmm. or something, is a lot more convenient than bringing around a bag and some like <laughs> paraphernalia yeah. with you. Yeah, 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 of course, right. absolutely, yeah. man. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Digital weed, <laughs> yeah, versus digital weed, yeah, analog yeah. music. I like yeah. that. So, can you tell us where to get some? I think I'll have to keep that a little tight to the chest for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We'll talk about that after the show. Yeah, I don't know how legal it is where y'all are, so I don't know. It's legal in New Jersey. Uh, I don't know about Pennsylvania. Pretty soon, man. Governor Wolf is is trying to get it. Yeah, he's trying to get it legalized. Of course, medicinal. It is. Medicinal's all good, but recreational, that's the next step. Right, okay. That seems to be the the process. They're like, well, we'll let that, and then... Five more years or so, and then we'll explore the other side. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. So tell us about yourself, Jordan. You're a bass player. Tell us how you got into playing the bass. And actually, I also am curious about your your background in being a, a chef. Earlier, we you were talking about how you were a chef. So I'm kind of interested in your background there as oh, well. Oh, sure. Well, on the music end of that, I started playing guitar, I think, when I was like eight or nine. I know it was the summer before fourth grade. Okay. Uh, I'd been cool. hassling my parents for a drum set for a while. And I think guitar was kind of like the happy immediate middle ground. There's like, <laughs> didn't want all the racket or whatever. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, pretty quickly that just kind of became like all I wanted to do. Um, I got a bass for a Christmas gift a few years after that and started playing around with my friend's older stepbrother and like some of the bands he was in. Okay. And then pretty quickly it just became a situation where everyone had a guitar player already, but it was like, Oh, you own a bass, right? Can you, you want to come play bass? Um, so I kind of like <laughs> fell into that role. <laughs> um, but then all these That's years later, happens. it's like such a fun instrument. I'm like really grateful for being in that end of it. But for a little yeah. while, it was just kind of frustrated guitar player, I guess. <laughs> right. Nice. And so similarly, I'm sure when you were growing up, you also asked your parents instead of a drum set, you also were probably asking for like, you know, like chef knives and you know, all those things, because you really wanted yeah, to be yeah. a chef when you were a kid, too. Oh, right? I was totally shooting for it. <laughs> no, that was like, like that total accident. Um, yeah. I mean, I always liked food. Like, my family always cooked well, and like food was like an important thing for like gatherings and whatnot. But that was like a, there's a program up here called like a running start. I'm sure there's a version of it where y'all are at as well. Right. Um, but basically, it's so kids can um, kind of either half and half or fully transfer out of high school early and start working on college credits. And I, sure. all of my friends were the people I was playing in bands with that were already a few years older. And so I just wanted to get out of high school as quick as possible. And there was this option at a tech school here where you could essentially drop out of your school, go there and finish your high school diploma and do a two-year degree. And it was all paid for by like the state public school funding. Wow. So I did that with uh, welding initially, which I thought was going to be a good option. That's what like my grandfather did and heard it paid well. Uh, and very quickly realized I was not good at it and did not get along with anybody in my program. <laughs> it was like a giant <laughs> mistake. But I had to choose another program where I was going to have to go back and like be a year behind in high school or something. Um, oh, wow. So cooking at the time was, I was like, oh, they have a culinary department. And I figured that 
whether or not I did that for a career, at least it would be a skill that would be nice to have just in my life rather than like if I got like a social services degree that I never used or something to that effect. That's fair. Makes wow, sense. that's actually really cool though um, that you guys had programs like that that kind of, you know, put you on a path. Yeah, it was a nice option to have because I know a few of my friends did a similar thing and like if traditional high school wasn't really working for you, it was just nice to have some option instead of just straight up dropping out or kind of like wasting money going to school you didn't want to go to or something like that afterwards. Yeah, no, that's, um, I can attest to that. So like, you know, I don't know how old you are, Jordan, but, um, and I won't ask, uh, (laughs) but looking back and doing what you do now and everything, are you happy that that's what you chose to do? Is that like something that you look back on and you're like, yeah, that was, that was a good choice. Yeah, I think so. Well, one to the first question, I'm 30. Okay. Okay. But also, yeah, you know, a lot of it seems like it was kind of typical of that young age, just kind of reacting to what's happening around you and making kind of quick decisions. Oh, yeah. Uh, Right, right. I'm pretty okay with how it all turned out. Like, I think by the end of my time working as a cook, I was extraordinarily burned out on it and like kind of felt (laughs) like every shift was like the verge of walking out or something. Yes. yes. So you don't Uh, do it anymore. You don't, you're not in that line of work. No. So I did it for like something like 12 years, 12 or 13 years. Oh, wow. Oh, wow, dude. And then... Uh, I started doing reception at my friend's barbershop the last few years. I'm still there a little bit, but I actually just recently got back into food, uh, baking bagels at my friend's bagel shop. Oh, oh cool. Sweet. It's called uh, Mount Bagel. So it was like a cool way to get back into food in a way that was a little bit more the side of it I was into and less of the parts I didn't like. Like I like the process of it and like working with my hands and all that, but it's nice to not be at the mercy of tickets and customers and yes. right. a whole lot of bullshit, it's, honestly. <laughs> yeah. yeah so tell us a little bit more about your musical background, right? You said that you started playing in your friend's band because you kind of just, they were like, hey, like we need a bass player. Like, you know, do you want to do this? And you fell in love with it. Tell us about the other projects that you've been in. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, most of those first years of playing was a lot of like, quote unquote, bands that I started. Like it was like whatever kids I knew at my school that had an instrument. So it was a lot of like trying to like play some pop punk cover and one or maybe two of us kind of knew the part and the other person was just (laughs) hitting things. Um, Right. We've all been there. Yeah. (laughs) I still do that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's a fun way to spend the day for sure. Yeah. Um, But after that, I think it was uh, somewhere around like middle school, junior high age. Um, started a band with some buddies and we were like practicing regularly and like writing songs. Cool. I believe that band was called fire on Sunday because we got arrested at the school near us for like burning things when we were like 12 on a (laughs) Sunday. So we thought this was like this very clever name. (laughs) Um, Oh man. I love that name actually. (laughs) Yeah. That was a fun band. It was like my best friends in junior high. Like, I mean, we didn't really, we didn't play shows. I don't think, but we were very ambitious, we thought, at the time. And then shortly after that, like I had played with a few other people my age um, and playing a talent show at the high school when I was in eighth or ninth grade, I met my friend's older brother's band. Okay. And, uh, from whatever set I had played of covers with my friend's brother and those guys, they wanted me to replace their other guitar player. And then that ended oh. up being like the first band I played shows in. And then from there, it was pretty much like consistently from there till now, just like always doing one or a few bands and like trying to play as much as possible. And, no it's shit. Like from, yeah, All right. Ninth grade on, I, I suppose. So Wild Powers, you know, has a, you know a bit of like a grungy rock kind of sound, I guess, for lack of better sure. description. What would you say is like the sound or the band or the project, I guess, that you've been involved in that is so far removed from that? And what does it sound like? Um, or okay. or is or do you just are you comfortable in like this vein of like okay, this is like what I do. I would say there's always like a bit of a through line for sure. Sure, um, sure. At least with like the parts that I bring to the table, I suppose. But like, um, I think each project I've been in has been like fairly different. I'd say the ones okay. that are the most different is like, I've like long been toying with the idea of doing like a solo project kind of thing. Um, oh, cool. And okay. always, always sidetracking it and like pushing it off because I couldn't figure out exactly what I wanted to do and being preoccupied yeah. with bands and stuff. But right. I just recorded a record for that actually. And that's quite a bit different than the power stuff. Huh. It's way more, it's all instrumental, like really like ambient and jazz influenced Ooh. and like super long songs that kind of like devolve into long interlude passages and it's like a much more like meditative thing, whereas like Powers oh, is you know, much more of like a big rock band kind of situation. Right. That's cool. Yeah. And then I did play with like a weirdo country-ish outfit out here for a few years and that's definitely like a significant departure from anything else I've done. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
That's cool. Um, I think I, I'm also just really interested in knowing what fires on Sunday sound sound like. I'm sure we <laughs> thought it was like much better than it was. It was probably in some sort of pop punky vein. Um, okay. Okay. Back at that time, there was actually like a really cool scene in the suburbs of Seattle, um, oh, in like sweet. the early two thousands. Like uh, I'm trying to think what like some of the bigger bands would have been. Like uh, like the Blood Brothers was a huge favorite. Oh um, sure, sure. Oh, um, sure, yeah, Chris. Gatsby's American Dream. Like, there was a lot of bands across, like, a spectrum yeah. of, like, punk-related <laughs> things that... There's all a lot of really interesting stuff, so I think we were trying to emulate different elements of that probably pretty poorly. Sure. Is what that band okay. was. Okay, <laughs> that's cool, that's cool. Those cool bands, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to steal that band name. Uh, oh, please do, it needs to be used. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking cool. Uh, <laughs> well, of course, right after that, we were like, oh, yeah, Taking Back Sunday, that's... Pretty Fuck close. That. Fuck it. Nah. <laughs> I dude, there's so many bands out there that I'm trying to think like uh well, my bloody inevitable. Valentine, Bullet for My Valentine. Uh exactly. there's, yeah, there's just there's a lot there, of there's, overlap. There's just so many that that overlap. It, it, it doesn't even matter. At this point, there are you have to think about like how many fucking bands are there out there. You it, there are times where like somebody will, will say, like, oh yeah, check out my band. It's you know, whatever, so and so. You go on Spotify and there's literally like nine artists with the same name. Like and you're like, one? the same exact name. Did you know we had to change our name? Tell us about that. Yeah. Okay. So, so Wild Powers, powers. Right? Yeah. There's two W's. There's technically been three band names for this band, which is like fairly absurd. Um, okay. <laughs> so it was Powers, like as you would expect that word to be spelled. Okay. Um, for a while. And then we got a cease and desist or like a series of cease and desists. Fuckers. Um, and so then, this is when it had one W. One yeah, w, and it was yeah. just and okay. it was just powers, not just, wild powers. Exactly, which, yeah, just well, okay. powers. Yeah. Right. And then um, sometime around, I think when we did our first tour as a band, somebody had accidentally tagged this other powers that we had no idea existed. Um, okay. In like a show announcement or something of that sort, and so they got tipped off to it. And also, we got this cease and desist from a label that was like oh a my subsidi- gosh. Some, oh. a subsidiary of Universal. <laughs> And at first we were like, oh, whatever, like, fuck this. We're going to ignore it. But our, our one friend that worked at a label in town looked into it. He's like, oh, yeah, that's a subsidiary of Universal. Like, please don't fuck with that. Like, they could destroy oh, wow. shit. <laughs> they've got, they've so got some lawyers. So this happened twice. Oh, yeah. That yeah, sucks, so, dude. So we talked to um, someone new, an entertainment lawyer that was willing to, like, send us a few emails um, about it without, like, having to, like, book them or whatever the terminology is for that. Um Right. And he was like, oh, just change it a little bit. And we we're like, oh, like, was another letter enough? And they're like, yeah, that should be fine. So we're like, fuck it, whatever. Throw another W in there. It's close enough. Go on tour with that. Reprint all of our merch as that. And then, like, right after that, where I think we're about to go on another tour. And then we get another one that's basically, like, the nice legal words of nice try, thanks, but that's not enough. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Wow. Their main case was that, like, in the case of radio airplay, you wouldn't pronounce it differently. And so, therefore, it's uh, kind of different uh, okay. enough. Um, right, so no one would know the difference. Get it. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah, the, yeah right. Yeah. Like right. the band like, sounded nothing alike, <laughs> but it is kind of a fair point. Um, but yeah, it sucked because then we changed it a, a second time, and then that band broke up within like a year or less of that. And we we're like, well, yes. let's fuck it. Okay, I guess we're just sticking with this one now. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Shit. Well, I like Wild Powers, so I think that's pretty sick. <laughs> it reminds me of Wild Stallions. Yes. Oh, yeah. Anybody? Yes. <laughs> yes. Bill and Ted. I believe we just sat in a bar and like wrote down every different word before and after we could think of until one was like, all right, that bump, that bothers me the least. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's how it, uh, man, that's how it works. So that was a really cool story about, about the, the name of the band, but perhaps we can get into a little bit of the history of the band. Sure. Like you guys all work together, right? At some point. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, there's a bar in the Ballard neighborhood of Seattle um, called Hattie's Hat. It's like a super old bar, restaurant, uh, sort of. Some people kind of joke it's like the cheers of that neighborhood and that group of friends. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, that's cool. Yeah, it's a really great spot. Like a lot of our friends worked there at different times. And the time we started the band, all three of us were working there. Um, we were okay. all in different bands. I was playing in a band called Sailor Mouth. Lara was in a band called The Peeping Tomboys. Okay. And Lupe is still in a band called Tacos. Um, yes, okay. And so we kind of met, like, they were working there together first as bartenders. I got hired as a cook. So, like, I kind of knew them, and, like, I think my band played with Tacos once, and so we all kind of knew each other, but we weren't working together on anything. And at some point, the two of them started Powers, I believe, because somebody ordered a shot of Powers, and one of them was <laughs> like, 
it's kind of a sick band name. And then they were like, you want to jam? Um, like that kind of thing. Wow. Uh, nice. So they had a bass player named Dan from Bellingham initially. And I was super stoked when I heard about it. And like the first couple songs I heard of theirs were rad and saw them a couple times in the neighborhood. But then it just kind of became apparent that Dan living, you know, in Bellingham, which is like an hour and a half, two hours away, it just was like becoming a, more of a problem. Like they were tending to write everything and he would come down and like make a part. And at some point somebody suggested like I join. Okay. Which was kind of like unexpected when it was like brought up to me. Somebody was like, oh, why don't you join Powers? And I was like, I mean, do they want that? I didn't know that was like an option. <laughs> <laughs> but pretty quickly it just worked and felt really good. And like the band I was in at the time, like those relationships were kind of falling apart and it was like a very aggravated kind of vibe all the time, like really combative. Uh-huh. Kind of, it just kind of sucked, and like I think we were kind of like at that point either just about to or just having started taking a break to see if we could like get it back together at some point. Um, and then joining Powers was like, oh, I'm going to quit my band. Like this is way better. Like we get along super well. It's just fun. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think they were around for maybe a, just shy of a year before I joined. They did that first record, and then I joined while they were mixing that. Oh, so they had already done Doris Rising at that point. Yeah, there was like a brief conversation about re-recording the bass tracks, but then it just seemed like way more trouble than it was worth with them right. being like done with it at that point. Um, yeah. So then we wrote Party Song from the second record, and that was kind of like the first thing we did, all three of us. Okay. So when you, when you joined the band then, you guys had like the band had already kind of decided like this is the, this is the sound... I don't know if, honestly, there was ever really much talk of, like, what it would sound like. Like, right. at least from knowing the two of them, I think a lot of that came out of, like, the weird intersection of, like, what Lupe likes and what Lara likes. Because weirdly uh-huh. in this band, like, more than anything else I've ever done, like, we don't really like a lot of the same stuff that much. Like, oh, a, a very small, the Venn diagram is very weird. <laughs> 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 um, so it's like, honestly, like, when I hear, like, the Doris Rising stuff, it's like, it very much feels like, oh, yeah, that's like Lara meets Lupe, like, for the first time, like, this kind of, like, these two sensibilities, right. clash, like, not clashing, but coming together. Yeah, um, yeah. So then when I joined, I feel like there was definitely, like, a little bit of, like, some growing pains of, like, how do we blend these three weird worlds? And I feel like by skin, that was kind of the moment of, like, ah, this, this thing, like, this is the way everybody's kind of disparate thing works cool together. What nice. bands uh, are in that then? diagram i mean this is maybe a little like general but like i feel like sure. lupe is like a super like rocker you know she loves 70s okay. rock i mean not that obviously they listen to other things besides the things i'm gonna say um sure 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 but, like when i think of lupe i think of you know like john bonham and like big 70s rock and shit okay Lara, her music taste a lot of times is kind of like uh what did she joke that one time like a dad working on a car in the 80s like it's kind of that vibe <laughs> okay <laughs> um, all right <laughs> but like both of them are a little similar with like kind of more on like the rock side of it like they both love kiss and like that kind okay. of stuff and then i kind of grew up you know listening to like weird punk bands and stuff so it's kind of like just this weird intersection of like me listening to a lot of northwesty like i don't know well growing up loving like modest mouse and other like kind of more mellow weirdo sad stuff and then kind of more angular like unwound or Fugazi or something like that and okay. trying to find some way that all these things of like shoegaze and punk and rock and jazz and all this shit can right, like kind right. of sit in one place. <laughs> well, you did it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's very cool, man. Uh, it sounds like uh, there's like an eclectic influence in the band. Yeah, it, it makes the songwriting really fun, honestly, because like there's a lot of times I'll like say bring like a, a two part like skeleton arrangement thing I have in mind to them. And like in my mind, it's kind of this mix of influences or whatever. And then hearing the way they play off it, it's like so far from what I would have expected, but in a way that I'm like, oh, that's infinitely cooler. Like it's more interesting than like, you know, because in my head, if I'm making a thing that's kind of like Cure-esque, I'm hearing like all of that around it or something. Uh And then you hear uh that with like Thin Lizzy stuff over it. It's like, oh, this is super rad. All right, let's try that, you know? That's yes. very cool. Yeah, yeah, no, we. I think we can relate to that, Chris and I. Yeah, I, we definitely can. <laughs> what keeps it like so much more fresh, like you get all these different kind of voices in the mix and these different sets of references and influences, and it's like inevitably going to make something cooler or at least like more multifaceted in some way. Right. Definitely. I was just going to say, and every band obviously has their own unique way and process of writing songs. Yeah, just I feel like even all the different ones I've been in, it's like kind of a different process. And that's why it's been fun to do like, doing this at the same time as doing my own project where it's like hi- very different, either doing something that's like hyper collaborative to like the fullest extent of that. And then something right. where it's like, I'm like the only person working on it. It's like, 
Cool right. to exercise different sides of my brain or something. That's awesome. So we spoke briefly that you joined after Doris Rising, which was the first LP. And then there were two other records that you guys had released, Hugs and Kisses and Other Things. Yeah. Uh, and then a Skin. quote from our friend when he was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, That's Hugs great. and Kisses and Other Things and Skin. And then What You Wanted being the most uh, recent. Sure, sure. So can you tell us about your experience with recording those records with the band yeah totally um so hugs and kisses that would have been i know that record came out in like 2016 i think Mm -hmm. we recorded that in 2015 yeah because i had been in the band for a little while at that point i remember being like really psyched to finally like record a set of music the three of us because we had been playing shows for a while like especially the first year or two or so like once i joined we were playing like all of the time locally sure which was awesome but it was like cool okay we've been doing this a minute like i really want people to hear this thing recorded now so we recorded it with the local guy by the name of johnny goss at dandelion gold studios which is his home studio okay uh, nice johnny's a super rad guy he worked with a lot of local bands i don't remember how they came to know him um but he had done doris rising as well so okay. they already had like a relationship oh, nice. with him at that point but yeah i just remember that being like a pretty breezy fun time like looking back on it now we don't play a ton of those songs anymore and like it's not necessarily the best representation of the way our band sounds but i think it's like a really interesting like stepping stone if you will or kind of like that record just feels like us feeling each other out to me but like some of those songs are still like quintessentially like sounds like our band to me but other stuff's kind of like funny in a way like not no like (laughs) well this sucks or something like that but it's just like oh that's an interesting choice you know like stuff like that It's it's really like your second freshman album because it's the first album that you're on, so it's almost like a new band. Right. Yeah, true. You're really feeling out the sound. Yeah, so that's what mo- a lot of freshman albums are, you know, just like really figuring out your sound. And then your sophomore album is really like you coming into what the sound is. Yeah, it's like when you're dating somebody, it's like you've gotten past those first ones where you're kind of maybe not being 100% real or like yeah, comfortable. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, cool. Like we've hung out a bit. Like you're seeing like me as a person now and like maybe some right, of that's right a little now. awkward or something, you know? Yes. That's yeah. Funny, I remember that being a really fun experience that like friends coming to visit a lot. Like we were like tossing a football around in the yard out front. And it was just very cool. much felt like the beginning of like, okay, cool. Like I'm in this band. Like this is the three of us. Like it kind of felt like some sort of beginning in some way. Nice. And I know those albums are on CD and cassette only, not on vinyl. Is there a plan? Or Skin's on vinyl. Oh, Skin's on not, vinyl. Skin is not, the first one that we did on vinyl. Yeah, okay, the first, sorry. The first two, I think, I think Doris is only on CD and digital, and then right. Hugs is cassette, CD, and digital. Yeah. And that's what I meant when I wrote those those questions. Sorry. Oh, gotcha. I, okay. probably, I don't know if I made that clear. Oh, no worries. Uh, so, You're a um, dick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> How but dare yeah. you? So was Skin the first album that was released being on Nadine? Was that the first album that you guys recorded being on Nadine Records? Yeah, that's correct. Um, The first two were self-released. Well, I guess the cassette for Hugs was put out by, um, oh man, what's the name of that? Wiener Records. It was like a subset of Burger at the time, like some sort of thing they were trying. Wiener Burger. Oh, man. But I mean, (laughs) I guess it's kind of like telling of what would come to pass with that label in recent years that like it was just like a total shit show. Like we were supposed to have these things for a release tour and like they just never talked to us about it. And then like a couple days before the end of the tour, we finally get an email of like, hey, sorry, the person running this was let go. I guess it sounded like they had like fucked off with some money or like it was like a pretty shady situation. So they were nice enough to be like, so sorry for this, like, here, have these tapes. But it was just kind of this, like, well, we already did, like, a whole, like, six-week tour where we didn't have them. So it's kind Jeez. of sucks now. Yeah, right, right. Fuck, but, yeah, man. that was, like, the only, other than that, all the rest of it was just self-released. Okay, cool. Are there plans, perhaps, to release the other records on vinyl as well? You know, we've actually never really talked about it. It might be cool at some point, but I would, if I had to guess, I would think that it's probably not a priority for any of us at this point. Okay. Um, maybe if we had like more money to work with, it would be like a thing to do. But sure. I think like we already have like a handful of songs that we're like trying to figure out what the next release is going to be. So it's, I think we'll probably like, prioritize doing that over those two. Sure. sure. Which uh, brings me to the newest album called What You Wanted, Okay, which actually came out on some beautifully colored vinyl this past April. Now, this album sounds different than the other albums. 
Did you guys write it during like COVID? Was this like a COVID oh. album? Was it pre-COVID? Like, tell us about the writing process of what you wanted. So it was pre-COVID. So we sat on it for a while. Um, okay. The timing was actually like hilarious. Like we <laughs> um, had just gotten like the final artwork from our friend Eric Fisher. And we had like gone down to Portland to film a music video for, for decades. And this was like March 9th. 2020 <laughs> and so like oh, wow. so like we're driving back to seattle from portland like okay cool like we should start figuring out like logistics and stuff like everything's kind of ready to roll now it's mixed it's mastered got the art let's do it and then like i right. think the next morning i got sent home from work and lockdown started oh, and it was like shit. never mind i guess let's hold up um yeah yeah so we sat on that for like a year basically um wow. but yeah it was recorded in the fall of 2019 september or october i don't remember which okay um, okay at a studio up here wow. called Avast by a guy named Sam Bell. And that was like a really, really awesome experience. Sam was a pleasure to work with. Uh, I had worked at Avast once before, like about a decade before, and was like really stoked to go back because it's just like a really cool vibey studio. The songwriting process was cool because like Skin, like the whole time around that record, like both writing and releasing and touring and everything, like all three of us kind of went through a lot of really heavy shit in our own personal lives, kind of at different times. Yeah. So like that... That whole time period kind of sounds like the songs on that record to me. It's like, you know, a little like murky. Everyone's like, at least for myself, I was like constantly fucked up for a while. And so what you wanted is interesting because like some of it was started to write when I was maybe at like one of the darker points in my life. And then a lot of it was written and or finished when I had like just gotten healed up from a pretty gnarly accident and had like quit oh, drinking. Shit. And like, every, I don't know, I, I can't speak for the other two, but I, I know for myself and I'm pretty sure for both of them, like the writing and recording of that record was very much this kind of like, really cool like healing experience of some sort like we all kind of were like entering these new stages in our lives and like i don't know for myself it was like a really nice thing to finish some of these songs that were started in like a really fucked up time and finish them in like a much different headspace yeah that's really interesting man wow man um well this is the perfect time to ask this question then we love to ask about stories on the road um so (laughs) you know speaking of accidents jesus um thankfully you're okay yeah, we're happy you're okay, man. Um, oh, thank you. Oh, for the record, the tour accident and my injury accident were like different situations. Okay. No, okay. No, nobody got injured in like the tour accident, but that was like fucking terrifying. I mean, they're always gotcha. fucking terrifying. I'm, I have yeah, yeah. PTSD. I know, personally. man, especially when you've had a few. It's just like sometimes it's hard to get back in the van. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, absolutely. Uh, oh, my God, dude. I can't even imagine. But uh, I'm sure that you have some happier memories of being on the road. So, um, (laughs) yeah, we 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 like, um, you know, we like to ask our guests uh, about some stories of intrigue when they're on the road. So if you have anything that comes to mind, maybe perhaps a happier memory, maybe one that involves sex, drugs and rock and roll. Okay, the cliches, you know, all the the cliches. Uh, all the good stuff there's definitely a lot of good stuff (laughs) touring touring with those two is usually really really fun um cool there's like i'm trying to decide which one there's so many just like ridiculous things that have happened um oh i mean one of the most immediate ones that comes to mind would be when we were on this tour with uh two bands called kailessa and the fall of troy and this was in like oh yeah yeah yeah. that was actually one of the tours like i think the only tour we did as powers with two w's um okay (laughs) that was probably a sick tour it was super fun. Really, it was really cool to meet some of the folks in Kailessa. I had, like loved that band for a long time, and like we had known yeah. the Fall of Troy dudes for a bit too. So it was like it was a really cool opportunity. I, like it was really <laughs> our, our first tour as a band. It was pretty crazy. They like I'd done a bunch of like dirt DIY tours, and it's like oh, I'm playing the Fillmore. This doesn't make any sense. It's <laughs> 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 never gonna happen again. <laughs> but on that tour, there was this one day. I think we had a day off to drive between the Texas shows and the Colorado shows, and okay. um. It was November, oh, so it's just like snowing like crazy. Fall of Troy left before everyone, so they made it. But like us and Kailessa didn't make it to the Colorado Spring Show because it was just like oh. snowed out. <laughs> but like the day that I'm thinking of, we were somewhere between like the Panhandle and like Oklahoma, like in that kind of area. And uh, okay, as we're trying to make it to this show, it's like every road we're on starts getting closed. So we're like constantly trying to find like another alternate route or like some other option and whipping over to it. And by the time we can get to it, that's closed. 
like just so determined to try and make it to this thing. And right, then we just right. end up driving through like super sketchy snow conditions. Like the chains we brought uh, for the van ended up not being the right size and fucking bust off at one uh, point. There was one point where I was standing on the highway with pliers from my fucking guitar case trying to like bust these things open where all the trucks are like Jesus. spinning out behind me. I think everyone thought they were going to die at some point that day. Oh my God. <laughs> so by the time we finally find a hotel, everyone's like, we need to get drunk immediately. Like, fuck today. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so we walk in and yes. like, as we're checking into this hotel in Oklahoma, somebody's like, where's the nearest liquor store to the clerk? And he's like, oh, this is a dry county. Oh, shit. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, and I don't believe any of us even said a word. We all just immediately grabbed all of our shit and like went back to the van and like drove back to Texas. Um, yeah. Oh my god! Find another hotel. Yeah. Everyone gets lit up in a hurry. So it's like, oh fuck yeah! The three people in our band, our friend Suze is with us at this point, and uh, Laura from Kailessa is with us at this point as well. And um, we just all get like hammered. Everyone like blacks out or nearly. <laughs> but apparently, at some point in the night, someone—I'm assuming myself—I know it's myself—but somebody pees in a water bottle in this hotel room. <laughs> Of course. Next morning, I get up to take a shower. Everyone's really hungover and out of it. And oh, as no. As I'm walking to the shower, Lara, my bandmate from the dad's like, yo, like, toss me a water bottle. Oh, like, oh yeah, sure. No. Yeah, like, you know, the big pallet from, like, the show, the night, last show or whatever. And so I, like, just grab one, not looking, and huck it at her. I go take a shower. I get out and, like, dry my hair. And I just keep hearing, like, commotion in the other room. <laughs> and I come out and just kind of like jokingly I'm like what are y'all talking shit out here and they're like no Lara drank your piss oh. <laughs> like, oh, shit. holy she actually <laughs> drank it <laughs> well, I wish I had been there for this because apparently she was so fucking out of it she like takes a sip of it she's like oh oh man this water's making my mouth taste worse and then takes like another huge gulp of it oh, no. and then like looks at it she's like why is it all yellow and like one of the other people is like Stop drinking this. Like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. Ooh, it's real salty. So. Yeah, I mean, at that point, too, it was probably just, like, Jordan-filtered tequila more than, like, water. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, but, yeah. It was just, yeah. it was crazy. Like, sitting next to her on the bench that oh. whole drive, she was having, like, piss burps, and, like, it was so oh, foul. yeah. But we, we joked that we're pee sisters and, like, bonded by piss. And, like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm also yeah, just super lucky that drank. it wasn't Lupe. So you drank oh her piss God. too then? No, but I probably should to make You should like, have, right? All things yeah. being fair, I should drink her pee now. I'll <laughs> yeah. offer that up next to her. <laughs> oh, man. So many things had to go wrong for this to happen. I know. It's wild. Amazing. Yeah. When it's it funny, like wild. the little pieces that we put together the day after, you know, the rest of that day, I guess, like uh, Sue's our friend that was there with us. She was like, yeah, I thought I heard somebody fucking with the door that last night. But like, and so like my best guesstimate here is that like somebody flipped the like uh why am i blank on this the, whatever the lock thing on the door the deadbolt um oh okay yeah, yeah. weird blank there um but she like <laughs> the deadbolt on and i think i was like all blacked out sleepwalking like couldn't figure it out and was just like mm, this will work <laughs> instead of like, i think i was trying to go pee outside instead of using the ba- bathroom conveniently located in our room <laughs> yeah it's well, just, like you said it's a series of things that had to go just right it's like the butterfly effect of pee Yes. It's, <laughs> well, it's almost like there were some wild powers at work. Oh, yes. Oh, oh fucking oh. terrible. Listen, hold on. Well I, I have to say, bad puns that, work their way into this show yeah. one way that or another. Been, that's why should have been. And I am so sorry for that. Oh, I love it, dude. Like half the time in the van, like we're just punning it up. Like that's. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Especially for Laura and Lupe, I feel like that's like their favorite van activity. It's just like. Uh, Puns for days. <laughs> nice, nice. They're both so do, much funnier than I. <laughs> so wait, so so we do that too with our band name, which is oh my God, another distraction. Time. Yeah, like if you liked us, we're another distraction. If you didn't like us, we're another disaster. <laughs> yeah. All right, like that one turn it yeah. into like crowd play. There was another. There's another <laughs> band called Powers that we're actually friends with in Santa Cruz, hmm. and they actually had the name before us or the lawsuit Powers. So, oh, okay. Interesting. Like, like we at one point tried to see if we wow. could counter sue, but there wasn't enough documentation. That's a whole other thing. Uh, but but those dudes, Jeez. our Santa Cruz buds, they forever had different punny versions of powers for if they would do a different set. Like if they did a country set, they were plowers. When when, <laughs> when they did like uh, glam rock, it was powders. <laughs> like they had a whole bunch of really fucking cool. <laughs> That's great. Oh That's god, great. I love that. Yeah. That's so funny, dude. <laughs> oh, that's clever. I Those like boys that. are Fun. hilarious. That's great. Oh man. man, 
Okay, so uh, th- thank you for, for sharing uh, those wonderful stories, uh, especially the one about your urine in That's a great the water one. bottle. I yeah. love that. I'm sorry, <laughs> Laura, if you didn't want that told, but I think we've told no, enough people that it's no. probably fine. <laughs> it's okay. It's yeah. a, nobody's it was listening sour to lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> sour lemonade. There you go. Add more sugar next time. Just balance it out. <laughs> it yeah, remind, you know what? Yeah. You know what it made me think of? Do you guys remember Problem Child 2? Yes, that you sounds remember? really familiar. That movie, John Ritter. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a f- oh, yeah. Oh, yes, oh. Okay. the twins when they were oh, they dude. were selling lemonade, and uh, the main character, <laughs> the the kid, I don't even remember his name. What a douche, that little kid. Yeah, he he pisses in the in the, <laughs> the in the pitcher, the lemonade the pitcher. pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, somebody great. comes along and he's like, mm, t- "This is tangy. This is tangy." Good. Classic, classic sight gag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Unreal. Like, so good. So corny. Oh my god. I'm sorry, guys. Okay, so good. so let's actually talk about vinyl here. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. We want to geek out with you and learn more about your actual introduction to vinyl. How'd you get started collecting? And w- was there maybe somebody that introduced you to it? Um, it was kind of two things at the same time. So part of it was starting to go to shows locally as a teenager and like seeing records out on merch tables and like realizing I wanted to buy them, but didn't have a way to play them. Um, and the other okay, one okay. started a little earlier where my parents did a thing that I'm coming to realize is like kind of common in their generation for some reason where they like kept all of their records, but not the turntable, which I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. like my whole childhood, they had like, you know, all these cassettes and like some CDs and stuff and they had like a cool stereo and I would always play with the knobs. But then there'd be this big tub of records that I was like so captivated by just like staring at the covers and like had no way of playing them. And it was like this thing that I thought about for years. It was like, I would just love to hear what is in these things. Cause like my mom mm-hmm. had a lot of disco records and like my dad's oh, nice. um, from Hawaii. So he had like these really rad Hawaiian records and stuff in there. So there's all this stuff that I was just like, you know, these crazy colorful covers and stuff that I was like really interested in. But at some point, this culminated in high school, and I finally just said "fuck it" and like went to Radio Shack and bought like a sixty-dollar turntable. Um, okay, that I actually ended up having for like ten years until it broke. But yeah, wow. from, so I kind of raided my parents' collection and kept like the fifteen or so that were in my interest, and then like started buying at that time like a lot of like noisy kind of hardcore-ish records. Like I think the first couple I bought for myself were like the Locust and Daughters. Probably were the first two. Oh wow! So it was a funny the mix Locust of like is- Cecilio and Capono and the Locust <laughs> and like the Brothers Johnson. <laughs> cool man yeah. wow what was your favorite record of the ones that you kind of for lack of a better word uh, commandeered? There's, there's two one is <laughs> one i believe his name is tony tam Singh, but on the record it just says tony it's like okay. a small print of records done in honolulu so it's like it was hard it took me a while to actually find information about this thing no but, shit right right those songs are really fucking good um a lot of it's just like acoustic guitar and vocals but like just like really cool guitar playing awesome voice like really cool harmonies and stuff that one's like been a sure. long time favorite and then i can't remember which one it is one of the two brothers johnson records my mom had um it's either look out for number one or i was gonna say how do you keep your uh albums catalog do you have them by uh alphabetical order yeah all alphabetical and then at the end all the like various artists and concert is kind of like chaos in the bottom <laughs> gotcha okay just curious yeah, yeah yeah but it's kind of a combo of these two these two brothers John- johnson records look out for number one and i think this one's just subtitled it looks like but okay these covers i was just like who the hell are these dudes oh that's I need neat. to know <laughs> like, i Sick. thought it was so cool you know very cool covers. yeah, yeah, yeah. i was a big comic guy it looks like a really bunch of dudes out. just rocking out yeah, especially this one. It's all like washed out, and they're just like doing like yeah, like godly pose. Um, yeah, that was really cool. really jumped out at me for a long time. So those would probably be between that and Tony. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> and what? I'm sorry. What were those called? Uh, the last ones are the Brothers Johnson. Okay. So like Lewis Johnson, one of the two guys, uh, he played bass on like a bunch of uh, like Motown stuff and uh, like Quincy Jones records. Sure. Like he he wrote the oh, gro- cool. he wrote the groove on Rock with You on that first Michael Jackson record. No way. Actually, like, oh, one, wow. of, one of my favorite bass players, just like fucking amazing. That was another question before. We were going to ask who's your biggest influence on bass. Oh, yeah. He's definitely one of a few. It's kind of like a weird mixture of like some really different players. Okay. Yeah, like Lewis Johnson from the Brothers Johnson for sure is up there. Brian Cook from like These Arms Are Snakes and Botch. Oh, wow. All right. Fern Rumsey from Unwound. Man, I could go on forever, but those are like kind of like the <laughs> ones when I was a kid, especially Man. that I was like really, really into. Like the I can't remember his name right now, but the guy that played on the first couple Descendants records, I was like 
very, very oh, heavily yeah, into okay. that as a kid. And pl- learning to play along to those, I always like felt like really cool when I could pull off playing the My Age riff, you know? <laughs> right. Sick. So we know how it started out. You know, you had your parents' records and then you started buying some hardcore stuff. Uh, tell us about how it's going now. Like, what have you been buying recently? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been a mixture of things still. I do listen to like a lot of different stuff, but I would say like lately it's definitely been like way more leaning towards jazz stuff. Um, specifically, like, oh, do you, did right. you know the record label International Anthem out of Chicago? No. I can't say I do. Sorry. No. I honestly don't remember how I got hip to them, um, but I know the first record I got from them was Black Monument Ensemble's first record in 2019. But they're like a sh- recent okay. Chicago label. Um, it's all kind of different sounding, but it's all kind of like different types of left of center jazz related stuff. Like some of it's, you know, interesting, super political ensemble. Hold on. Yeah. yeah. Chris, I was just going to say, but I don't know if that's the same. If I don't think that's the one Fred Armisen was talking about. Oh, totally. Because his old bandmate is Damon Locke. Yes. Oh shit. It is. Oh shit. So we had Fred Armisen on the podcast. Oh, right. I saw that. And he talked about Black Monument Ensemble. So when you said that- We went to check them out, too. Really, really cool stuff. Really cool stuff. Dude. Okay, so they're on that label. Yeah, and they have a record that came out this year, but the first record of that group from 2019, I'm pretty sure, that was like the first- one gotcha. of their releases that I picked up. And now I've just, I think I own like most of their catalog. <laughs> and right. And Sick. that's the one. Yeah. That's the first album. I think is the one Fred told us to check out. It's really cool. It's like a mixture of like beats and like protest songs. And it's all from this like live dancing. I mean, I'm sure Fred Armisen probably told you all about it, but it's super cool. And like this yeah. album art is gorgeous. Like, Oh Sick. wow. Yeah. He was saying it's very like, you know, obviously being from trench mouth, it was very like art noise rock. So I know Fred was saying that he brought a lot of that to Black Monument uh, Ensemble. I'm not super familiar with the Trench Mouse stuff, to be honest with you. Um, okay. But it's it's interesting. You can tell there's like a really cool kind of like kaleidoscope of influences going on, but it really has its own thing. Like a lot of it's like, it's almost primarily like vocals and rhythm. Like a lot of, oh, like, right. a lot of like beats and like, and like percussion and then just like rad, like chorus singing and like, um, protest samples and stuff like i believe there's like an angela davis sample in there at some point oh cool. I mean, i'm not shit. getting it mixed up but like it's just like a really really cool record shit so two people have mentioned them we absolutely <laughs> have to listen to that <laughs> that's funny i didn't Seriously. realize he had brought that up to you guys as well he, yeah, yeah he yeah. did yeah man that's so cool because we asked him like hey man like what um what do you recommend you know like what are you listening to and that was one of the bands them and uh def rain oh, i don't know that one i'll have to check that out they're yep, really yep. cool. I actually did end up checking those guys out. And, you know, they're different. They're like chill, kind of electronic-y, kind oh, cool, of okay. moody stuff. I'm into it. And I think it's it's spelled D-E-F-R-A-I-N. D-E- yes. Oh, word. I believe okay. that's what it was. Yeah. Like, is there a particular record I should check out? They only have two albums, one from 2014 and one from 2020. Oh, okay. um, oh wow! Again, I listened to like whatever was popular, like on the Spotify list. Oh yeah, like the first but, one that uh, comes up in that like preview. Right, right. So I think if I'm gonna listen to it and actually give it a chance, I'm gonna start with the with the first one, the 2014. I would, yeah, yeah record. Sure. I'm gonna jump into that later. I've been like kind of wanting something else to listen to, so thank you. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool, man. Cool, me like it. Let's talk a little bit more about your collection. Do you own like a grail, like like a, a record that you had wanted for years and you're like, I'm so glad I finally got my hands on this record. Is there like, or is there one that's elusive to you right now? Um, let me think about that for a second. There's, okay, there's two that come to mind. One that's been received and one that has not. Uh, okay. And uh-huh. I don't even know if these are necessarily that hard to come by or not, but they're just like, okay. for but some reason, the your two- personal grails. Yeah, personal grails. And just for some reason, the two that I'm like completely unwilling to buy online, like I have to find them. <laughs> sure. Like it just like, it's like a mission okay. at this point. Um, that's cool, yeah, that's cool. One of them, my partner actually got me for Christmas two years ago, which was like, just so exciting when I opened it. And that's uh, Leonard Cohen's Death of a Ladies Man. Um, Ooh, Leonard Cohen. Love that nice. record. It's like the record that Phil Spector did for him. And like, I mean, all the stories are that that was like a wildly confrontational recording session, but it's like such a <laughs> funny, such a funny, cool mix. And I find it something that I love in musical often is like where the sound of the music and then like the kind of vibe of the lyrics like really don't mash up. Like it's like this, you know, like right, right, like fairly morose, like Leonard Cohen record. But then it's like this kind of like big, like wall of sound, like Ronette's kind of production around it. And it's just such a cool pairing. That's um, awesome. It is really interesting. 
But that record's been received. But then the one I haven't gotten is uh, We Travel the Spaceways by Sun Ra. Ooh, Which, okay. like, every time you go to a record store, there's a million Sun Ra records because he's got a fucking million. But uh, I never find that one. And now it's, like, really ingrained in my head that, like, I gotta find that fucking record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Are there a bunch of record stores around you that you check on, like, a regular basis then? Off and on, I feel like I tend to go through, like, bursts of... I mean, especially pre-COVID, like, we live in the Central District uh, of Seattle, and, like, there's a neighborhood called Capitol Hill that's, like, a 10-minute walk um, and a bunch of shops up there. So we, you know, like, before COVID and everything, we'd go up, like, once a week or something, like, on Sundays on our day off together. It'd be like, cool, it's like, cool. go get a bite to eat and go to a couple record stores. Um, now it's a little less nice. often, especially because we're moving and, you know, saving money and all that boring shit. So, like, sure, I'm sure. trying to limit it to, like just pre-ordering every international anthem release for the time being. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, usually we go up quite a bit. Like uh, Spin Cycle is um, really awesome. Wall of Sound. Zion's Gate's cool. There's a ton of great stores throughout Seattle. Like Seattle's got some great record shopping for sure. And not just in Capitol Hill. It. Those are just the ones that have been like geographically closest to me for the last few years. Dude, I imagine the West Coast in general probably has just some dope record stores. I want to get there someday. I feel like every time we do It'll a West happen. Coast tour, me and Lupe end up with just like, there's just stacks of records under the benches. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah. Uh, don't That's forget to bring some cash. Awesome, You're going to be bringing dude. records home. It's like, cool. Like, I lost so much money on this tour and it was not because of shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's so funny, man. We sold a bunch of merch. I bought a bunch of records. Yeah. Oh, wow. I bought more records than we sold, probably. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's yeah, yeah. so funny funny dude <laughs> that's awesome i you know it's so great that you have such a passion for it man i love hearing about things like that because i spend a shit ton of money on records too and yeah. uh, and it makes me feel like i'm not alone same here it's always nice to like kind of geek out with a friend about records yeah, and stuff. Yeah, it's like man. well you, you get obsessive about this too we can like really get into this well, we can bond on that Jordan, thanks for answering those questions, man. Um, oh, is sure. there anything that you guys have going on right now that you want us uh, and our listeners to look out for? Yeah, you have shows up on your website, right? Yeah, they're on our yeah. website and on our, and our Instagram as well. Um, wildpowers.com and then just wildpowers with two W's on Instagram. We were trying to book a tour, but everyone is so hyped about being able to do stuff again that like booking a tour is proving to be a little difficult right now. Right, yeah, right. Jordan, thank you again for answering all of our questions. And that means that it is now time for On the Platter. Oh, God, it's so good. Mmm, so good and tasty. Today, we are talking about Deerhoof versus Evil by the band Deerhoof, uh, which was released back in 2011. So I, you know, full disclosure, this is another band that I have not ever heard of. This is another band that... Uh, another album, I should say, that I have been exposed to simply because we've chosen it to do on the platter with. Oh, so, wow, okay, cool. You know, I, it's hard for me to speak too much about the record other than to say, you know, it's very different. It's definitely out of my box. It's okay, not yeah. something right, that right. I would have normally seeked out. Sure, um, sure. It's a very eclectic sound i think just like it sounds like a bunch of instruments that i normally wouldn't think would go together it reminded me a little bit of and maybe this is like not the best kind of comparison um it's all good. but i i thought of gorillas i could see that oh yeah. okay. i don't know why yeah. and it's not even to say that it sounds like gorillas but it, that's what i was reminded of when i when i listened to it um, okay. Yeah, I could see that for sure. I'm very like, I don't know what to think yet. I ha I feel like I really need to digest the album. So this is the first time you've heard times. the band, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's to definitely to like a pretty totally wild new. band if you're like not used yeah. to like the little world they create. It's kind of like, an, like a barrage of things, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. It's cool. I, I like it. But I think it's something that like with this album, I've kind of kind of just dipped my toe a little bit. And I think I really need to immerse myself and just let it breathe a little bit and listen Definitely. to it. You know? Yeah, yeah. But Chris, tell me about, because I know this is something that you, you know, this is a, an album that you are familiar with, that you enjoy listening to. So uh, maybe you have a little bit more perspective, a better uh, perspective on it than I do. It's, uh, yes. So I, I couldn't find it, but I have the Moonbeam uh, variant. I don't know if that's is the that one like, you have. Is that like the translucent pink one? 
like this. It's like no, I was gonna say. So I, I'm oh, not cool. sure what I guess. I don't know if Discogs would just literally call that translucent pink. <laughs> uh, mine's like a translucent, like greenish. It looks oh, kind of cool. like space, like spacey green. If that's even a, like a thing. Spacey but anyway, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, like I said, I couldn't find it. My my records are all over the place at the moment. So this band came out. Uh, like this band originated. Uh, in San Francisco in 94. They've been around for a long time. Yeah. And so this album is their 10th album. No shit. Uh, and, and so they've gone through quite a few like kind of phases, sort of, so to speak. Like the music's always been intrinsically the same, but they've, they're just very experimental. It's sometimes it's hard to throw bands into genres. Sure. But I mean, like, so you could just throw them into indie pop experimental. Like oh. those, like you could just yeah. throw them into those three. Like, so experimental kind of, I think, really is a good way to describe them because, yeah, I would say so. So, I forgot to forewarn you that the first song on the album is not necessarily what the rest of the album sounds like. Sounds like, oh, right. yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's kind of it throws you off at first because <laughs> then the rest of the album is kind of like the lead singer's name is uh, Satomi Matsuzaki. And so she's, I believe she sings, and she's done this several times on other albums. Like she sings the first song in her native language, so in Japanese. Right. So, and, and it's like a very like. I didn't know what to think. I was like, is yeah, the rest I was gonna of say the like, album going to be. Well, because I was like, yeah, because I was like, you're going to enjoy this. And then I was like, oh shit, I forgot to tell him that the first song, <laughs> it doesn't really, doesn't it was really like. Better that way. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. No, you know what? It you're just like, huh. Yeah, kind of cool I didn't expect blind. this. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't expect this. And then the other songs are like, they're a little poppier. Like there's definitely some, I don't want to say grungy, but I want to say like harder guitar riffs. Like they definitely put some distortion on the guitars to like give you a little bit of power. And uh, it's just a fun album. Like when do you find yourself like, are you like in a particular mood when you're like, you know what? I got to listen to Deer Hoof versus Evil. Like I got to, I got to put this bad boy on. I feel like, uh, I feel like well, summery uh, times for some reason. Like whenever it's, yeah, yeah, whenever yeah. it's warm in Seattle, I want to okay. listen to Deerhoof, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. going to say, it's definitely a summertime album. There's definitely just like, it's called Deerhoof versus Evil. So like the songs, they're kind of like, they're fighting something. But it's still a cheery, like it still feels like a cheery, like upbeat album. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't listen to this any other time, but like the summer. The summer. Like I really like listening yeah, yeah. to Deerhoof. I mean, in a lot of settings, but like, riding my bike around like it's such a yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. throw on for a bike ride like go around the lake sure. or something it's super killer <laughs> yes yes tell us about your experience with the record like when did when did you first listen to it um i had been listening to them for a few years at that point because i remember my bandmate when i was in high school showed me milkman which was like their 2004 release um yeah, that was like yeah. my entry point but like like you said, Chris, that cool. was shit. Even like their fifth or sixth record that was at that 10 time. Ten years later, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's crazy. So like they went through a few phases, and so like like you were saying, so by the time they got to this one, I just remember being like kind of having forgotten about the band a little bit. Like I had listened to Milkman mm-hmm. and a few after, and like just wasn't in my like view at the point. I guess at that point, but I just remember right, being at a sure. birthday party and somebody being like, "Yo, did you hear that new Deerhoof?" I was like, "Oh shit, Deerhoof, no." <laughs> and then like for some reason, instead of putting it on in this like very nice backyard party, like me and these five other stoners were like, "Let's go to the car in the sun in the front and like listen to this entire record in the car and get high." <laughs> oh high. shit! Um, it goes pretty quick. Uh, that's it does go pretty quick. something I would have done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that it probably of, feels like forever when you're high, though. <laughs> it was kind of perfect, and like so that memory is definitely attached to it in some sense. So maybe that's partly that's why like, so the summary cool. thing comes to mind. Sure, this record yeah, just yeah, makes yeah. me think of like hot boxing somebody's car when I was twenty. You know, like, there you go. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. so cool, man. Uh, but it's just so cool. Like I, they make so many cool records, and I'm usually into pretty much everything they do. But this was just like a cool flavor for them. Like there was some of the stuff you come to expect, like the weird kind of twists and turns. But then like yeah. some of this almost like flamenco esque, like kind of bossa nova e rhythms and like finger picking in the mix and like these different keyboard sounds it was like a cool mix of like a few of the sounds they had done with like this whole other thing in the mix too like i just always appreciate that about deer hoof that they're always so playful and like trying things yes seems really open-ended to a really cool degree that's a great way to describe it playful like yeah very open-ended yeah yeah. have you ever seen them live no no i was gonna say like um when I got into them, I can't remember when they even would have. I'm sure they have. I'm not saying they never did, 
but I'm not sure when I can remember a time when they ever came to the East Coast. Oh, interesting. Okay. That makes sense. Being on the West Coast, I guess I was like a little more likely to see them, maybe. Right. I'm sure they did come to the East Coast at some point. I just can't remember like, you know, looking up shows on Clear Channel or whatever the yeah. hell it was. <laughs> Ticketmaster. Looking for MySpace sort of I just announcements or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just don't remember seeing Deerhoof ever coming up unless they were just like, unless they were just putting the the headliner on the on the bill and they didn't tell you about who the other bands playing with it were. Totally could be that. I would have loved to see them. Well, I think they also, especially around this time, I feel like when I saw them, they tended to play kind of DIY spaces and like youth spaces and like art. Oh yeah. yeah, Okay. Art spaces. Yeah. Like like they played at um, the Vera project, which is like a long running um, all ages club here in Seattle. When I saw Um, that was in, would have been like just a little before this record, maybe like Oh nine or 2010. But Okay. I think that really deepened my love for the band, especially like going into this record. Just like I've never seen a band still ha- look like they're having more fun in a really genuine way than that band. Like there's a lot of like this yeah, yeah, yeah. really funny musical sabotage happening. Like Greg seems like he's always like moving around where the one is on the drums and like kind of like they like fuck with each other and like improv <laughs> random little bits. And then you can see everybody trying to keep up with it. And it's just like, but it's like not in an obnoxious way. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's really endearing for some reason. And also Greg Sane That's is just cool. like an insane drummer. Like what? The time I saw him, he had a kit that was a kick drum, a snare, and two ride cymbals clamped together for the hi-hat. And he ripped on that thing. It was just incredible. Dude, that's Oh, sick. wow. That's definitely a show I want to see. Yeah, if you get a chance to, it's like a really fun show. Now it'll be 25 years. I mean, like, <laughs> I assume they're still playing, so I hope they come around one day. Actually, I haven't listened to it yet, but I guess they just dropped a new record very Did recently. They? Oh, yeah. shit. Well, Somebody was mentioning it to me at work the other day, and I was like, oh, yeah, I need to, like log that to, in my memory to listen to uh, but i'm just remembering now I'm, I'm looking it up right now chris is already <laughs> buying the vinyl <laughs> yeah. dude probably should that's just that's just how I, yeah oh it's called actually you can okay yeah actually you, you can buy the vinyl. you can you, you buy can the buy new it. vinyl <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> they're just like a wildly consistent band man like even like they put out a record in 2020 that i bought um something like tomorrow's future cave artists. I might be getting that title wrong, but even that's like this far into your, into their career. Like you said, like 25 years or something. It's like still yeah. making really interesting, refreshing records that in, inarguably sound like them, but are like a new thing every time. Like that's, I just say that's such a hard thing to do. And it's like I, so satisfying. It, to it is. I was going to say, respect that a like lot. what a tricky balance that is. Like, how do you consistently do something like that? It's like, impressive. Yeah. Yeah, to keep your sound, but constantly bring in new flavors, new influences, and still know, even if it was a blind like listening session, and still be like, is that a deer hoof album? Yeah, totally. Uh-huh. It's very identifiable, identifiable, even if it's like entirely different instruments than the last record. You know, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't see that often. It's cool or hear that often. I guess would be no, more you, accurate. No, you don't. Nice. Is there a track that stands out for you on this uh, album, Jordan? Let me look at the track this thing. For some reason, this is one of those bands that like I know each record and like what the songs are, but I don't remember like separate the, songs as well. The names, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of amazing front to back, honestly. That's a bit of a cop out, but Super Duper Rescue Heads is like ridiculously yes. satisfying. It's like just like <laughs> such an immediately same. satisfying melody. <laughs> yes, I, I would say the same. That's mine too. Yeah. Sick. I'm glad Sick. we're on the same page. It's like they're all great yes, songs, but yes. that one for some reason every time it's just one of those ones where I'm just in such a good mood. Like, I just want to like throw my hands up yeah. and dance. Like it's so good. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it's great. And you're like, you know, that's like the halfway point too, because I think that's track six. Yeah, and it's like the last song on side A on the vinyl, which is on awesome. side A. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. It's like it's such a cool good way to cap it. And I think the next one is, I think the first one on side B is that one where it's like. Don't marry me is like one of the main lyrics, and like that one's got a really cool, weird rhythm to yes. it, and like these weird yes, instruments that kind of come in mu- and drop back out. Like it's just so rad. <laughs> yes, uh, must fight current. Current. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So cool. So, uh, and Antonio, if you end up really liking this album after you know maybe you hear it again, yeah, it's not a it's not a hard album to find on vinyl. I I believe I think right. it's fairly accessible. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I only got this copy cool. locally a couple years ago, and it was like yeah, the sticker says fourteen dollars. I guess they're all yeah, that's how much I paid. Like, yeah, 12, 13 bucks. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's not, fair. Not necessarily a holy grail, but a, a very awesome record. No, no, but a good album to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Cool, cool, cool. I definitely will. I, like I said, I'm going to have to immerse myself a little bit more in the record. 
give it give it a chance give it a like a real chance for sure I feel like sometimes that's yeah. the best relationship though i feel like some of my favorite records of all time are those ones that i was a little uncertain how i felt yeah about at first like the ones that you have yeah, to sit yeah. with really sink in in a really cool way i think yes i agree i feel like one that was a huge one for me like that was burn piano island by the blood brothers i had yes. i had heard yeah, yeah. i had like you know being from like a similar area to them like the east side of seattle like i would see like the stickers around but i didn't really know what the band was and then i remember my right, friend's right. older brother picked me up to go jam or whatever like he's like oh man check it out like whatever dude he was with like dude bought this cd it just came out and he put it on and i remember it just like fucking terrified me like, the first time i heard it i was like what, the, <laughs> oh, what is so this crazy. i was so freaked out i was like 13 or something i was mostly listening to like yeah yeah shitty pop punk or something at the time you know and like all of a sudden it was like <laughs> i just couldn't get out of my mind like, that music kind of freaks me out but i need more of it and like i kept wanting more yeah, and then it just was like my favorite band for years after that yeah so i'm gonna say the first time i was introduced to them was uh the album crimes i love that so one too <laughs> that's such a good one i know i have them around here somewhere but i think i have two variants like a pink yep. and a blue blood oh, brothers. a blood brothers yeah dude that's that's a band you should get into too tone for the time at least it was really weird because it's like two they're not necessarily singing but two guy like it's two of them doing vocals yeah like back and and it's really interesting okay what's funny because i found out semi, somewhat recently i didn't know this back in the day but uh do you know the band the murder city devils yeah like another seattle band yeah. from back then but uh one of the bands that those <laughs> folks were in before was uh area 51 and like they had a two okay. singer two screamer crazy hardcore band and like i guess that was a reference point for that when they started like, sure pretty sweet that's something i've all like i've i've probably mentioned it before maybe not on the podcast but that's something like i've always wanted to do and like uh like an autumn from autumn to ashes kind of style oh, sure, like yeah. one singer one screamer i've always wanted to do like two two I vocalists fucking, up on stage i love love that man uh yeah, yeah. bless the fall they do that and bless the fall yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and i think that's such a fucking cool thing Me like you just like back and forth like i don't know I, I just something i've always wanted to do just be like share the stage with another vocalist and just fucking tear it up you can do a lot with that call and response thing too it's like kind of yes. opens up yes. your options a lot and like I don't yeah. know, especially if you get into like the whole like rhythmic side of that like almost making like polyrhythmic vocal patterns like yes like Dude, i love we, when laura and lupe do that in our band like harmonies and flipping shit on it around it's sure super, super sure cool. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, me too. Chris, do we have any facts? I have one. I was actually going to <laughs> I was actually going to throw it to Jordan to see if he has Really? Fa- like if he knows any facts. Uh-huh. About uh Deer About Deer Hoof versus, versus evil. evil. Like if you know anything hmm. like interesting about that album in why particular. Don't, like, why don't you start with your facts? Yeah, what, I will start with my fact. For sure. I'm going to start with my fact for sure. I'm just curious to see if he knew anything. If he had anything. I'll think about it. But yeah, let's hear what you got. Yeah. So I dig and I dig and I dig. And it's hard to find facts on some of these albums because sometimes there aren't a lot. But I mean, like this one I thought was kind of neat was, um. so like I said, this is the 10th studio album. Like we said, it was released January 2011. And when they released the album, at the time, they released it one track at a time. Oh via different media outlets i know so like so they actually like mapped it out and scheduled made a schedule like on their website saying like the first track's gonna be available via pitchfork media uh on on january 6th the second track's gonna be available in two weeks on spotify like so they did kind of a uh a twist on like you know releasing a single like every couple weeks Leading up to the album release, they did it kind of reversed. They said the album's released, but here's the first track. And next week we're gonna release the second track. Third week we're gonna release this track. Wow. And so you stay tuned for 12 weeks and then you finally get the full, full album. So it was kind of an interesting thing to do. Plus, it was like a real cool way to partner up with many different media outlets that way it's like you know that all of those all 12 of those media outlets have are going to review it or like they're all going to get you know right it's a lot of publicity right yeah so it's a cool way to do it so so that's that's the one interesting fact i found and so it's a good one if you don't have anything that's fine i just thought it would be cool to 
to just turn it around and ask to see if our guest. <laughs> Some, sometimes our guests actually have have facts about yeah the records. If you we don't, do. that's fine. No pressure. I just thought it'd be the cool pressure's on, to, Jordan. To ask. Pressure's on. Uh, what do you got, man? I yeah. actually do. Something did come to mind. That is super interesting. I never knew that. Like, I just only heard it when the whole full thing was out. So that's super. Me cool. too. Me too. Kind of seems like an early version of how a lot of people are releasing music and like now because you said this was like right, 2011, right? right? Like now you kind of have to do that whole like a bajillion right. singles through different media outlets just to get yeah, people yeah, to yeah. care and the like true. millions of records around. <laughs> so yeah, I think this is the first record they did when they all weren't living in the same city anymore, if I'm not mistaken. Ah, okay. Oh, that's interesting. cool. Because um, I think, yeah, it would have been this one because they were all in San Francisco, like Bay Area initially. And then I think this was the right. first one where I believe somebody went to Brooklyn, somebody went to like Kentucky or like the Southwest or something. Nothing. Really? Uh, oh. oh wait, no, New Mexico, not Kentucky. I don't know why I said Kentucky. Uh, but still, but yeah, that's cool. That's interesting. Yeah, just kind of like I think they then started doing little things where they would like send music back and forth and then meet up for a ah. week and kind of like do the thing. Um, so it's just kind nice. of an interesting thing. Like you know, we talked about how much it sounds a little different, but then it's also like, oh, maybe it's because of a new working environment, or like a new way of writing, yeah, sure. or something as well. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. There you go. We got a we got a fact. That's a great from fact. That's Thank one you. Fact. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hey, right. that's all that we needed. That's great. <laughs> well, thank I was you. Hoping. Thank you both for the facts. Uh, yeah, dude. So, again, Jordan, it's been a huge pleasure having you on the show. If you have any plugs, any last words, anything you want to leave our listeners with, now's the time. Well, just uh, if you haven't listened to the new Wild Powers record, it's been out for a couple months. Like, check it out. It's free on Spotify. There's some music videos on YouTube. Uh, records called What You Wanted through us or through Nadine Records. Um, I got like that solo thing coming along at some point. I'm not sure when that's going to be released, but look out for that. And yeah, just check out the rest of Mandy's roster on Nadine Records or their Bandcamp. She's got a lot of really cool stuff and she curates a really cool thing. Awesome. Cool, man. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you again, Jordan. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We had a blast, man. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Check us out on Instagram at Taste of Vinyl and on Twitter at Taste Vinyl. And remember, you can never own too much vinyl. Bye, guys. Later, guys.